Hey, we're glad you're here today. As offering is being passed, just want to kind of let you know what's going to be going on today. Today, we're talking about praise and adoration uh, through Psalm uh, 63. And uh, one of the things that we want to look back at is this, that we want this to be a time as, as 2013 is coming to an end and, and 2014 is beginning. There's been a lot of uh, just great things that, that have happened this year in the life of the church, uh, just a lot of baptisms. Uh, we're excited about the return uh, challenge that we're all a part of and, and uh, just helping start a church plant in, in the south end of, of Joplin and, and a lot of ministries uh, that we're going to be able to uh, just help uh, in the next two years just because of all of us being in, in this together. Uh, so today we're going to be talking about how is it that we handle praise and adoration? How do we praise God? So I'd like for you to take your Bibles if you uh, have them with you and turn to Psalm chapter 63. That's where we're going to be camping out today and staying there. Also, if you have your uh, notes, you can go ahead and um, uh, take that out as well. Today, we're talking out of Psalm chapter 63, talking about praise and adoration. As we have heard the psalm read this morning, this is David, and and he's crying out to God. And when you look in your Bible, and it says under Psalm 63, it says that this is a psalm of David. Now, kindergarten through fourth graders, you're in here today. Raise your hand so we can, so we can see you. Let's give them a hand for being in here with us today. Thank you for being in here. Now, if you're in the fourth or kindergarten through fourth grade, you know that David did something to a giant. Who was it that he took care of? What was that guy's name? Goliath, way to say that with confidence. So <laughs> Goliath, that's right. So we know this is the same David. The David that took care of Goliath is the same uh, David here that is writing this psalm. He's crying out to God. Now at this moment, he's crying out to God. Uh, his son has now taken him away from being king because uh, David was a king, as we all know. And now he's no longer king. He's fleeing for his life. One of his sons is trying to kill him. And he is running. He, he no longer has his, his kingdom. He no longer uh, has all his, of his followers. He no longer has his freedom. And he's running, from, uh, and, and he's running for his life. And, and one of the things also that we know about this is, is, is that even though David had sin in his life and he'd been forgiven of that sin, he's still having to deal with the results of that. Nathan the prophet uh, said this to, uh, to, uh, to David. He said, yes, you're forgiven, but the sword will never depart from your house. So the reality is, is, is that David is going through this chaos and his own son uh, wants to, do, uh, to um, be done with David and, and, and end David's life and, and, and be king. And a lot of this is, is, is the result of the sin uh, of, of David. But David's on the run and it says here that he's in the desert. So he's crying out to God at, at this time. So one of the things that we're going to talk about today is, is we need to know that in, in the context of looking at Psalm 63. Okay, so th- this isn't one of those things where David is just sitting out in, in the grassy field and looking around and thinking that everything is glorious. He is running for his life. And one of the things that we'll be able to see from some Psalm 63 is, is that how we should act toward God when we give praise to God. So if you have your uh, Bible there with you and you also have your, uh, uh, your insert uh, for your notes, uh, the first point that I want us to look at today is, is that, uh, number one, it says, of uh, the power of praise says God reveals our true self. God reveals our true self. Now, right before, um, right after that you see the word on your sheet there, the, the power of praise, I want you to write right above the word God there, I want you to write praising so the idea is praising God reveals our true self. When do we praise God? 
When do we thank God? Psalm 63, he's in the desert. He's running for his life. And he's praising God. One of the things that, that we see about this also is, is, is that it reveals his true self. It reveals who he is. At the core of who David is, we see this in this psalm. And he's seeking God. One of the things that we also see in this is, is that David realizes who he is. And he realizes that he's a child of God. If you look at verses 1 through um, uh, one through 9 here, over and over again, that we see David write things like, Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. We see in verse 2, it says, I have seen you in the sanctuary. In verse 4, I will praise you as long as I live. Uh, so he's saying, I, 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 in all of this. And I love what David does in verse 11. He, com- uh, uh, he comes to that moment of where he realizes that he is still a child of God, and he realizes what God has given him. And he says this in verse 11, he says, but the king will rejoice in God. And David's talking about himself there. So at the, as we look at praise and adoration, and we look at verse, I mean, at, at chapter 63 of Psalm, the first thing that we're going to see here, that praising God reveals our true self. How do you handle disappointment? How do you handle when things go bad? How do you praise God? Because one of the things that we're going to learn today together is, is that David gives us a great illustration of what it looks like to praise God. And, and here we see in the context of where he is that he is running for his life. And what is the one thing that is revealed about this uh, psalm that David has written? One of the first things is that we see about not only does it reveal uh, who his true self is, that he's only asking for God. He's not asking for forgiveness He's not asking for protection here in this moment. He knows he has those. He's just crying out for God. And I think that is an amazing thing that we need to remember because he says in verse three, he says that you're better than life. Verse five, he says, my soul will be satisfied as with the richest uh, foods. With singing uh, lips, uh, my mouth will praise you. David is at the point that he realizes that even though he is near death and he's been hunted, his true self comes out and who he is at the core And he's only crying out for one thing, and that's God. And for us, it is a great example of where we need to be daily in our walk with Jesus, is to cry out for that. Now, the second thing that that we can learn from Psalm 63, and you can write this down, is is in your point number two, is is, is, uh, the path of praise. The path of praise. Now, uh, I was raised in Louisiana. I've talked about that before. Uh, and, and back home, uh, there are not a lot of fences in between homes because th- that you'll see houses uh, kind of all alongside the road together. But you normally see a path between the houses. And that's because people constantly walk back and forth between those houses. There's no need uh, to mow that area. There's no need um, to, uh, uh, to, uh, to, to have to even take care of that path because it, it, it is taken down and it's beaten down and it's a hard path because people are continually going back and forth between those two houses. That creates a path. Also, yesterday, uh, it was 55 degrees and sunny. Yeah, that's Christmas in the south right there. Today, that's not fair what's out there right now. When you walk back out there, I was like, whoa. This morning, I walked out to let our dog out. I was like, okay, uh, yeah, I liked yesterday better. So that's the south. So Merry Christmas from the south. That's what it feels like down there. Anyway, and everybody has an accent. So anyway, but, uh, but the path back and forth of those houses is one of the things I remember as a kid. 
And, and, and it's one of those things where it doesn't happen the first day that someone walks from one house to the other. It happens after time of walking back and forth and back and forth. They're became, uh, and, and, and they're walking on the same trail. And that begins to happen and take place. And the same thing for David here is, is there is a path to his praise. Because this is not the first time that David has started uh, singing that praises out to God. This isn't new for David. This is what he has done for a very long time. So in the middle of the crisis, he's going back to what he knows. This isn't the first time he's ever done this. And that's very important for us also to know. The only time that we should, uh, be, I mean, the only time that we sing praises to God should not be whenever we're in trouble or when things are going bad or when we're having struggles, okay? That, that shouldn't work that way. So, so there's four things that we're gonna look at as a path that David took. There's four things that, that David uh, took care of in, in the path of praising God. Now, the first one is the word measure. Okay, is the word measure. David says in verse 2, he says, I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory because your love is better than life. So he said, I've seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and glory because your love is better than life. Because he, 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 he's learned that. He sees that. He knows that. So that, that's, that's a measure for him. Is here, he's already seen the bigness of God's love. Uh, I want to see, if we have a kindergarten through fourth grader, I'd like to have two of them come on the stage, not of each grade, but two kindergarten through fourth graders come up that know something about inches and feet and those kind of things. Do we have any volunteers? Anybody that, that knows anything about inches, feet, and you're, I see somebody in the, in, the, kind of in the middle part back over there, not the older gentleman that's looking at me scared, but the, but the kid behind that. So why don't you come up here? I see two boys. Yeah, both of you are standing up. Y'all both come on up here. We're going to find out what kind of education you've had. I'm sorry, but you're a little too old to be coming up here. So, would you please be seated? (laughs) Nice to have the mic today. Okay, come on up here, fellas. What's your name? Corbin. Corbin? My name is Scott. And what's your name? Jordan. Jordan. Okay, so... Do you know what this is? Why don't you come both stand right here in the light so everybody can see you. Okay. Do you know what this is? Okay. Tape measure. Okay. So I'm going to ask both of you a question. Do you know how many inches that there are in one foot? Twelve. Okay. So can both of you show me and show everybody kind of stand right here and show everybody what 12 inches is? Like with your hands. Show us how big 12 inches is. Listen, I'm the only one that's supposed to freeze up here, okay? So, can you do me? Can you show me about what 12 inches is? Just what you think it is. You think it's about that big? Okay, both of you kind of look at each other. Why don't you turn right here? All right, so we're going to take a moment right here and let's look and see how many inches you got there. Yeah, yeah, there's 12 inches right there. Good job. Okay. So, and you got about, hey, 12 and a half inches. That's pretty good. So, how many inches are there in a yard? How, how, how big is a yard? Do you know? It's, 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 uh, it's this many feet. Three. Three. <laughs> Y'all are making me a little nervous, okay? No. <laughs> okay, so can you show me how big three feet is? How big do you think three feet is? Um, About that big? Let's see here. 
All right, so you need to come out about right there. Good job, okay? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're no dummy, are you? <laughs> All right, let's see if you got, let's see here. How close you are, right about there. So can you give them both a big hand for coming up here? Thank you very much. You can go back and have a seat. See, when we talk about measuring, we, we know that there's 12 inches in a foot. We know that there's 36 inches in a yard or three feet. And we think we, we know what that looks like. Somewhere on there. Oh, my gosh. So, <laughs> And my degree is to be an ag teacher. And think about that, how well I just used that machine right there. So anyway, uh, and don't forget, I am very smooth. And Isaac's a lifeguard, and I'm not. So anyway, um, but one of the things, though, is, is that we think we know how big a foot is, but sometimes we need to go back and see the measurement on a tape measure to know exactly where it is. And David's doing the same thing. He's measuring here. He's saying, look again at, at what he says uh, in verse 2. He says, I have seen you in the sanctuary and, and held your power and your glory because your love is better than life. See, he's learned that. He's experienced that. It's a, it's a mental discipline that, that, that he has. It's not the first time that David has gone down this path of praise. He's measured God. He knows how big God is. He's seen that. He knows what God did with him as a child. And how he took care of Goliath. So he's seeing God's power and he's remeasuring that. He's remembering that. That's very important for us is to remember how big our God is when we give him praise. And remember that when he said, let there be light, there was light. That's how powerful our God is. So the second thing that we also want to see in the path of praise is, is the first one is measure. And the second one is treasure. Is treasure. David says this in verse 3 of Psalm 63. He says, because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. He is measured, how big God is, and now he's treasuring that. Here's one of the things that I, that I love about the word treasuring. Um, the old word for worship, the English word for that originally came from the word worth-ship. And it says, so what is worth-ship? It's seeing what God is worth and then giving him what he's worth. I want to read that again. Seeing what God is worth and then giving him what he's worth. It's treasuring. We treasure things. There are things that we might have that no amount of money is, is, can take that away from us. One of the things I have here is a crescent wrench, and it's not very big, and it's, pretty, it's, pretty, uh, it's no longer shiny, and uh, it's probably worth uh, about 10 bucks. And this was in my dad's uh, pocket constantly. My dad had a mechanic shop. He was a mechanic. He loved to fish and hunt. He always had a crescent wrench, small one, in his pocket. And when my mom gave me this, one of the first things I did with it was I put it on my bedstand because I want to remember not only who my dad is, but also it's something of his that the grease on here came from him. And all the things I have today, a lot of things I have today is because of him. This means something to me. $10, you're not getting this from me. A million dollars, you're not getting this from me. It's treasure. I love this. I want this. And even though it's not worth much to you, it's worth a lot to me. And it's the same way with God. You might not think that you're worth much, but you're worth dying for. And we need to remember that. And David treasured that. He knew God's treasure. He knew that. He knew that he was treasure and, and, and that he also knew um, to enjoy those moments of being treasured by God. So in the middle of the chaos... 
of running for his life and being in danger, he takes the path of praise and he measures and remembers how big God is and he also remembers that, that he is treasured and he needs to treasure his God. Because David also knows that as it says in Psalm 56 verse 3, it says, when I am afraid, I will trust in you. And he treasures that. He knows that. So as we look at the path of praise, we continue that. We looked at measure and we looked at treasure. And the third thing here that we need to uh, look at and see what David does is, is expression. He can't help but express it. Okay? He, it's, it's expression. Um, David says this in verse 3. He says, my lips will glorify you. Verse 4, it says, I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as the richest of foods. Uh, with singing lips, my mouth will praise you. So he's given an expression. He is singing out to God. He's crying out to God. He realizes that God is all he has, and he gives that expression. C.S. Lewis, uh, when he was a new Christian, he struggled with the idea of having to praise God all the time. Because he was always thinking, why is it that God wants me to tell him how great he is? Why is that? And as C.S. Lewis grew in his faith, he talks about this uh, in his book, A Reflection on the Psalms. He, he writes this, he says, we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise does not merely express but completes the enjoyment. And I want to read that again. It says that we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise does not merely express but completes the enjoyment. There's nothing at times sweeter to our ears to hear our name being said. My father-in-law has told me that numerous times and also to hear that we've done a good job. We enjoy that. We like it when people express to us that they love us. It's the same thing that God wants for us. is, is, is that he wants us to, uh, to show him that. He wants us to, uh, to praise him. Not because he needs it, but just because we need to remember that. In the moments that we realize how much God has given us and how much that we have because of him and the grace and love that he has shown us, it helps. It can't, we, we, we can't do anything but help but enjoy those moments. It, it completes that for us. Just like when you see a child do something well and you tell them, good job, and you're proud of them for that. It completes that enjoyment when you express that to them. So the fourth part of our path, of our continued motion back and forth, when we give praise to God, is satisfaction. In verse 5 it says, my soul will be satisfied as the richest of food. My soul will be satisfied. Because see, David's at a point where he's not asking for anything but for God. And he's at that moment of when he realizes that. And then for us, as we continue to walk in our, uh, with Jesus every day, and as we continue to grow in our walk with Christ, what happens to us is, is that whenever the Holy Spirit takes over our life, the things that we desire and the things that we want completely change because of that. And because of that, we have new taste and we have new, king, uh, uh, new taste and new appetite for the kingdom. Because the reality is, is that there has probably been a time in the last maybe year, maybe even a few weeks, that you've had to go through some tough times. Maybe it's saying goodbye to a loved one, or maybe it's going through a difficult time uh, in your job, or just maybe there's been a lot of chaos in your life, maybe with a child. But, one of the, but the reminder is, is that when you've gone through those difficult times and you've had to say goodbye to someone, or you had to help someone get through a tough time, it makes you want to be in heaven to where a place where there is no hurt, no pain, where it makes you almost homesick. 
and you begin to have that desire and you begin to have that want and that craving for that. And nothing else of this earth other than God can satisfy that. Because the reality is, is for us, we have cravings, okay? One of the things that I love about Christmas with our family is, is that, that, that Christmas morning that I know that, that my wife is going to fix beignets, which is a French-style donut. She was raised in New Orleans. She does a good job with that. It's a French uh, uh, donut you fry up, and you put tons and tons of powdered sugar on it. And I'm pretty much sure you, you, know, you almost go in a coma afterwards, but it's awesome. So, but it's a, it's a great thing. Also, there are times when I crave, and you might want to write this down, orange juice and popcorn together. It's, uh, don't knock it until you try it, people. Write that down somewhere. Okay? Not knock it before you try it, but try the popcorn and the orange juice. It's good. The sweet and the salty, it's, it's good. It, it, it tastes good together. It's one of those things where, where that whenever I crave it, it's kind of like going to a Mexican restaurant, and, and you're sitting there. You're not going to ask for water when you get a chance to eat salty chips. You want a carbonated drink. You want to feel that burn going down. And it's like, no, I don't want water. I, I want a Coke with that. So it's that thing of where it satisfies that craving. And that's nothing compared to the craving and the desire and the satisfaction that we have when we come to that point that not only have we measured our walk with God and we praise him and we treasure those moments and we express it to be become satisfied. Where nothing of this earth means as much to us as to know that we are a child of God. And David has had a clarity of that moment where he's there. Because the reality is, in that satisfaction, as we look in Matthew chapter 6, and it talks about the Lord's Prayer, and it says, Our Father in, in heaven, hallowed be your name. Do you know what that means? It means, let it be that we praise you and let us praise you. That's because we're satisfied in knowing that our walk with God is more important than anything of this earth. And you have point three on your notes there. And this is the one thing that David was seeking and he didn't fully understand of what we know today. And that's the source of praise. See, David knew that he was loved. And he says in verse three, he says, because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. And he knew of God's love. But there's, there's a few things that he did not know that we know today. And one of those things is let's just go through and let, let's talk about what love is. Tim Keller says it like this. He said, it's a word that really means his loyal love. It means his strong love. It means his unmovable love. It means his unconditional love. It means the love he gives to us regardless of what the danger is. It literally means uh, love that's willing to put itself in danger, love that will stay no matter what, love that will be unmovable no matter what it faces. It's a definition of love. And the source of praise of why we, our source today is something that David didn't quite know about yet is what we're told in John three sixteen when God said, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, what? That whoever believes in him will not perish but have what? everlasting life we have Jesus and Jesus is that source of love for us there is nothing nothing that will compare there's no sacrifice that that will be greater than the sacrifice that Jesus made for us and our almighty God sent his son to come down on this earth to die for us to raise from the dead for us so we have things like grace and forgiveness and eternity and heaven with him one day and because of that, we have adoration and praise. When we can be like David and be in the middle of the chaos 
and cry out to God, wanting nothing more but God, that's when we see that our true self is revealed and that's where we are. And we take that path of praise because when we cry out to God and we do that daily, it means it's not the first time that we've done that. And when we get in the middle of the chaos, we know what to do and we seek him through our measurement and through remembering that we're treasured and through our expression and through that satisfaction of knowing nothing more than God. And to be to that point that we remember the source of our praise is Jesus. There's no greater gift than that. And every one of us, even though we don't feel like we're worth it, we are worth it. And at these moments, as we start 2014, I don't know what that year is going to look like for you or for myself. But the challenge is, is that we do what David does and recognize our sin and move past that and want nothing more than God, even in the middle of the desert, even in the middle of the storm and the chaos of our life. So what I'm going to ask that we do is we pray together for a moment and we're going to have a moment today. We're going to be able to just sing praises to God and just encourage you uh, as, we, as we sing that we stand together and you stay in your chairs. And if adults, if you have children around you, Show them the example of what it means to show praise and adoration to God through song. Just challenge you in that. And that this year, that you show them what God means to you in the good times and in the bad times and when it's difficult. Let's pray together.